Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30 Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Voller, and we are so glad you're here. Now it's time to thrive. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, to this episode of 30 Minute Thrive. I'm excited to go over this month's talent report with Jim Morgan, MRA Vice President of Workforce Strategies, as we go into what he's been seeing in the world of business in the month of August. So thanks for joining us again this month, Jim. Always a pleasure to come back. (laughs) Well, for August, it looks like the special topic was on diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically working on efforts in the organization. So why did you choose this DEI um, topic for this month? Well, I think, you know, it's a topic that we could probably do just about any month. Um, and we hadn't done it yet this year on the talent report and thought now would be a, a good time. And with the talent shortage and what we've talked about the last, you know, six or seven episodes, um, all of the issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion um, also play into the talent pool as well. And, you know, what are companies doing in order to, to figure that out. And so um, Diana, what we brought in from our Ohio office, um, talked about it. We can talk a little bit more uh, a little bit later about the results. But, you know, she started by talking about, you know, why are we doing this in the first place? And we had just done a, a survey of our chief diversity officers roundtable. And that's sort of what drove this month's topic. And she had brought to it, well, you know, here's what they were saying were the reasons that they had a DEI program in their company to build stronger teams, to foster collaboration, to make employees feel valued, to enhance productivity, to create a welcoming environment, to build trust among employers, to attract top talent, to increase retention, to increase business development, and to ensure the production of new ideas. So that list of 10, I thought, well, okay, well, people aren't interested in those 10 things, then we're really in trouble. So um, that's kind of what we focused on was sort of here are the positives that come out of that, um, and especially in terms of engaging and retaining, and I can talk a little bit about our iLead program here at MRA, but really it's um, it's just a strategy that I think almost every company is utilizing now, and we're just trying to help them uh, see some of the best practices that are out there. Yeah, that was a great list of benefits um, that you just talked about. And this episode will kind of be a good leeway into our next week's episode. After this, we're talking about how belonging fits into the diversity, equity, and inclusion mix. So oh, outstanding. for that one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's kind of go into what's happening in the recruiting and retention world. So Jim, what's what are you seeing here that's new? We um, we're wrapping up our intern leadership program, of which you are a proud graduate. I am. Um, and we were asking, you know, what are you doing in some of your wrap up things? And we got some really neat ideas from the coordinators around um, kind of their year end projects. And they shared with us that one of them had their interns look in their own department as to how do they attract the next generation of customers and employees. And so depending on what department they were in, they were providing their perspectives on, you know, how do we go out and engage 2021, 22, 23 year olds? So that was one of their their projects. Um, Another company had them look at the entire employee cycle of life 
and basically say, what does our candidate experience look like? What's our onboarding experience look like? What does our experienced employee experience look like? And so they reported back on um, conversations that they had with employees at a variety of different um, places in that in that cycle. Uh, one of the groups developed a campus recruiting strategy for the company so that when they go out next year, they've kind of got the playbook on what it's going to take to go um, re, uh, recruit people. Uh, one put together a, a social media plan for, you know, how do we go out and recruit? Um, and then most of them were presenting their material to the executive staff, which, you know, really, I think was a, a real bonus for the kids that were the interns in the program. It gave them a chance, you know, to have some exposure in front of those people. Um, and I think the execs were, from everything that we got back, we're pretty excited about the fact that, you know, wow, these are, you know, some of the ideas might be out there a little bit, but it's a fresh set of eyes looking at what does this mean for a 2021, 20, 22 year old? So really kind of a cool wrap up to the season, I think, with a lot of the um, the interns that we had. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I just have to mention, because I just saw this on LinkedIn, but with MRA's intern leadership program um, with our intern grads, we give them a little intern leadership badge to put on their own personal LinkedIn accounts and they can post it as an accomplishment. And that also just kind of gets the word out and um, creates creates our own little intern program advocates and kind of in a fun way too. Yeah. So, you know, that was that was pretty exciting on the intern side. We've also seen you know, we're talking about salaries and things and the companies aren't in quite the same hiring mode that they were, but they're still looking for those critical positions. But the pressure on, on salaries remains there. Uh, people coming in asking for more money than some of the experienced people in that same position. So that continues to be an issue, I think, for employers um, trying to help people understand what the market actually is and just because you know your cousin made this much out in California doing something doesn't mean you're going to make that much in Green Bay doing the same thing. So they're continuing to try to um, educate, I think, their employees on on market value and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, the The people wanting to remote work remote remains a big deal, um, and we just keep hearing stories. This one came from an IT company that was just having a hard time finding computer technology folks. Uh, because they were requiring them to come in and finally just said, we'll let them work fully remote. And we're surprised at the increase in number and quality of the people that they were starting to get in. And that doesn't apply to every job. But again, people that are in the IT business might have already had some experience working remote. And um, that seems to be something that they're they're very interested in. Um, and then lastly, um, seeing more of a push right now on Candidates asking for more leave, whether that's family leave or paid sick time or vacation, that, yes, everybody still wants more money, um, but the leave time is coming into play. And I think it's one, it's a work-life balance thing for a lot of people as they come in. But two, you've got folks now that are taking care of elderly parents. They're trying to figure out child care issues, you know, and they're kind of stuck in the middle of taking care of both the, the people that, you know, raise them and the people that they're raising. And so I think it's putting a little more pressure on, on employers as well. Mm -hmm. Anything else in, in the talent thinking section? Um, this kind of goes along with the recruiting and candidate process, but I know you talked about 
recruiters being more involved with their hiring managers and actually shadowing the position that they're recruiting for. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, the, you know, I think the people in, in HR have been pushing for this for quite some time because one, I can't do it alone. And two, you're the hiring manager. You know a little bit more about, you know, what's happening in the position. So I think you're seeing a lot more teamwork between the two. I think the hiring managers have begun to understand what the HR folks are facing in terms of trying to find good candidates. I think they're buying into the process a little bit more. And I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off the human resources people to, you know, basically do everything. But it also engages the hiring manager in the process too. To rather than after you've gone through the entire process and said, "Here's your person," they're like, "This isn't what I'm looking for." You can find that out a lot earlier. That if this is not the skill set or the person, we'll know it right away. Versus after having them interview and come in and and do the rest of it. So I think that partnership is really um, sort of helping helping us find even better people and and probably find them a little bit um, faster as well. We also, in connection with that paid time off, there was a Georgetown University survey that came out that said the flexible work schedule um, is right up there along with paid time off as the two things that young adults are asking for more than anything else. I don't know that that's really different. You know, I'm guessing when I went in for my first job, I sure I said, how much does this pay? How many days off do I get? And what's the work schedule? But I think it's just um, there's more of an openness now to, to bring it up and, and have that have that um, discussion. And like I said, the salary issue, um, you know, there's a lot of data out there. And I think people can look up, oh, I'm an electrical engineer, how much should I get paid? And depending on what source you get, all kinds of things come out. Second of all, you talk to your cousin and they say, oh, I made this much. So you take that. And your generation more than mine shares information, you know, on social media a lot more openly than people did 30 or 40 years ago. And I think we had just as human nature, we have a tendency to find the highest number that anyone shared and said, that must be the starting salary. So employees and candidates, I think, are coming in with what they think is, here's my data, and it all says 80,000. And then meeting up with an employer that says, well, here's our benchmark survey, and it says 60,000. And so we're having some tough conversations, I think. But you know, it is what it is. People have some information and at least gives you a place to start from and, and have the conversation. Yeah, for sure. Well, we always talk about employee engagement in our talent report conversations. And this month, you stated that 31% of U.S. employees are thriving at work, so are very engaged, where 52% are quite quitting or not engaged, and 17% are actually loud quitting or actively disengaged. So, my question is, what do you do with these three different groups? <laughs> <laughs> well, all of this data came from Gallup, and they are um, you know, well-known for their employee engagement surveys and do literally hundreds of thousands of individuals. So it's a pretty good database that they can pull from. But yeah, those were those were the results. And you know, you look at that and you're like, holy smokes, you know, what do I do with this? And you know, Gallup's advice out of all this was okay. First of all, you've got more than half of them in that quiet, quitting, not engaged category. To them, that's the low-hanging fruit. You know, these are people that are still showing up. They're not disruptive. They're they're working, and they're probably the group that would be the easiest to sort of push into that engaged group if we figure out what it is. Well, you know, what's missing? Is it camaraderie? Is it you know you're feeling like you're independent? 
Um, is it more social activities? Like, you know, what, why don't you feel engaged? And if we can find that, we can probably, you know, push that group, maybe some of that 52 into the 31, the people that are actually, you know, engaged and thriving at work. The second suggestion comes even from those people that are engaged, you know, are they really, you know, like you've got that group of people that you would send them out on the street to sell the organization, no matter who it was to. And how do you maybe get some of that group that's already engaged, but to that really engaged group? And is there a little bit something special that these are our high performers? These are our people that are getting the work done. Can we give them another nudge? And yeah, they'll still be in the same category, but they will be even bigger um, zealots, I guess, you know, and advocates for your, for your organization. And then a little bit of, you know, okay, if you've got people that are loud quitting, which was their term, which basically is not only am I not engaged, I'm telling people I'm not engaged and I'm posting things that say I'm not engaged. That's a group that, you know, can do some damage. And so with that group, it may be, okay, let's bring you in and find out, can we move you into someone that, you know, is satisfied with their job at least and not actively out there, you know, saying bad things about stuff? Or is it someone who just is a bad fit for the organization and we have to deal with it that way? So I think, you know, if you go from top to bottom, take those really good engaged people and make them even more engaged. Take the group that's not engaged, but is just kind of on the fence and try to move them to those that are thriving. And for those that are, you know, actively sabotaging almost, um, we either got to get them under the tent or help them find a different tent um, in which to play under. Mm-hmm. So there's there's work for all groups, basically. There's work for all groups. Everybody can move up a notch, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, kind of moving into more of our tech talk, last month we talked about how AI is just continuing to grow every second of the day, which means that companies are figuring out um, how to use it and how to incorporate the AI into their work and their day-to-day responsibilities. So any new updates this month on how AI platforms are being used in in work today? Yeah, I, I just got done um, doing a, a seminar with folks that were utilizing it in recruiting. And um, it's fascinating. And all of this that I'll, I'm about to tell you came from the part of chat GPT that you actually have to pay for, which... You know, I knew there was the free part that I've used, and then there's the pay part. And I thought, well, I'm getting what I need from the free part. But now having seen the part um, that you can pay for, boy, it does even a heck of a lot more. But they, they just gave examples of things that, you know, were real, I guess, just time savers. Um, writing a job description, you know, you can feed in, this is what it is, this is what, you know, we're talking about, and get an awful lot of information back give me 12 really good interview questions and they can come back with a whole bunch, you know, save you the time of trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to ask this type of job? Um, There was one sample where they took a very complicated job. It was some sort of engineer and I wouldn't have understood what they did. And the question that they actually asked of ChatGPT was explain a whatever, a nuclear engineer to me, like I'm 12 years old. (laughs) And, you know, the HR person said it just gave me a better idea of, okay, I understand now seeing all these big words over here, but now I know what they actually do. So in terms of writing it, I've got a much better idea of what it is I should be talking about. And then even, you know, saying what are 12 good lunch and learn topics that we could share with all of our employees? 
you know, and you get a list back, not only of the 12, but with some bullet points underneath that say, you might want to touch on this and this and this and this. So it was really, um, it was really interesting to see the things it could generate that were really time savers. All of this comes with a caveat that says, don't just take it and put it out there, take it and read it. Um, mm-hmm. Because funky things can happen because this is, you know, this is machine learning. This is a language that it's looking for, you know, and pulling out. And with chat GPT, um, it basically stopped taking in new data in September of 2021. So if you're looking for something that's up to date, you're not going to get the latest and the greatest, at least from that um, platform. But when you're asking for questions like what are good topics, what are good questions, um, you know, missing out on the last two years probably doesn't um, make a whole lot of difference. And then I think the most interesting quote I heard during the whole webinar was, you know, people are afraid that AI is going to come and take their job. And the person's response was, AI AI is not going to take your job, but someone who knows AI might. And they're simply saying, this is another tool. This is now, you know, how the Excel and PowerPoint and Word are basic skills now. PDFs are basic skills now. And knowing something about AI is going to become a basic skill is basically the point that that she was making. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that it's like, we all know AI, it's it's never going to go away. So the businesses that figure out how to incorporate it and use it successfully are going to be the businesses that come out successful through AI. Yeah. So Diana Small, our executive director of MRA's Ohio division, like we said, she also made an appearance on this month's talent report um, talking about implementing DEI strategy and efforts into organizations. So you talked a little bit about the why, but do you have any other key points or takeaways that um, Diana mentioned that you want to highlight today? Yeah, when we got done, I just said, you know, and she walked through the beginner and intermediate advance and everything that was was going on there. And, and people can see the recording of that if they want to go look at the talent report. But I just said to her, you know, I said, you've done enough of this just at a gut level. What what has to be in place in order for someone to be successful in putting a DEI program in place? And she said really two things. You know, one, you've got to have a culture that's ready to accept it, employees that are willing to engage and want to be a part of it. And two, you've got to have leadership buy-in. And, you know, that sounds so simple, but, you know, you can just see how things will move faster if you're not trying to overcome your leadership team, but you're being driven by your leadership team. That makes such a difference. And then if you find people that are really engaged in this and are passionate about it, that really changes the game too. And that, you know, I shared with her, you know, our employee resource group here is called I Lead at MRA. Um, and I'm a part of that and about 40 other people are. And it's really our place to go have these DEI discussions. And I said to her, I said, that makes complete sense to me because the people that come into those meetings um, are passionate about, you know, how do we make sure that we're diverse and equitable and include people and there's a, fe- a sense of belonging. And people really are very open and honest, sharing their own stories. Here's what they're seeing. Here's what they're hearing. And then what do we as a group of employees do to reach out and engage even more of our employees? And so I thought as simple as you when you say culture and leadership, um, it when you think about it, if those two things aren't in play, um, 
boy, then you really got your work cut out for her. So I just thought she did a really nice job of breaking it down to that point and saying, you know, look, you got to you got to set the place up to be ready for it. And you got to have the leaders that are willing to lead on it. So it was um, succinct and simple and uh, but a big deal if you don't have it. Yeah, absolutely. I would just reiterate to make sure to tune into next week's episode if you do want to learn more about um, implementing DEI strategy in your organization and how belonging fits into the mix. But just as we kind of wrap up here, um, we've got another chart question. I know you included the chart at the end of the talent report, and it shows the working age population annual growth rate. So what does the chart show or is there anything that we should necessarily be scared of when we're first looking at it? I think you're doing this to me on purpose that you're trying to have me. Okay, let's see in how many words can you describe this chart? So I'm just going to put it on the website, you know, as okay, you can go look at it now if you want to see it. Um, What the chart is, is it's the working age population annual growth rate. So how much is it growing each year? And it goes from 1960 predicted through 2050. And it's got 10 different countries, continents, areas of the United of the world on there. North America, Africa, Russia, West Europe, Japan, China. So you're getting a look at basically the whole world and what exactly is going on there. And the simplest thing I can say is the chart from 1960 to 19 about 80, 85. Looks like you're climbing up the ladder to uh to go down the ski slope, I guess. And when you hit about 1980, 1985, you basically go down the slope. And it's for every single country that's in the group, some more severe than others. Um, but you have countries that are dropping below, you know, the zero percent. I mean, they're actually getting smaller, which includes North America. Um, it includes Russia. It includes um, Western Europe. You know, so this isn't just a United States problem. It's sort of an all over the place problem. Um, But even the countries that are staying above and are the ones that you think of the fast growing like, you know, Africa, they're starting, you know, by the time you get to 2030, you're starting to see a drop off there. So it's a universal thing. And the point we're trying to make with that is this is happening everywhere, maybe for different reasons in different places. But as people are thinking, oh, well, I'll just go to where the people are. They might be having the exact same problem that we're having in the United States. And so as people are trying to figure out if I can't do it here, how do I outsource? Where do I go? It was just sort of a take a look around the world because you can see that other people are going to be facing the same problem, too. So that chart is I I know it's in the talent report that's on the talent report uh, website. and Maybe we can put it up on the podcast site as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you did a good job of describing it. Thank you. Just think of the up and down. Yep. (laughs) Well, as we wrap up here, can you give us a sneak peek on what September's talent report will be? Yeah, it's going to be about compensation and compensation trends. We've got our big comp trends event in September. And just as another plug, we've got our big DEI conference coming up in October. So I would encourage everybody to go to um, the MRA website and take a look at both of those. But we're not going to share all the comp trends data because that's coming out a couple of weeks. We won't have the final information, but we are going to have some trends of what people, we may not have the specific data for 2023 yet, but we will be talking about some of the things that um, people are starting to look at. And as the teaser, I guess, for, for, for next month, 
that we're sort of at this generational tipping point. We're at the point now where the, the workplace is about 50% millennials and Gen Zs and 50% Gen Xers and baby boomers. And if you think about the Xers and the boomers, and then you think about the millennials and the Zs, they want different things. And so when you start talking about benefits, not just because they're in different age groups, which does drive a lot of it, but they have very different lifestyles too. And so now how are companies going to figure out their total compensation practice when these this group of people might be looking for things that isn't what we're offering right now, but we still have to offer them for this group until you know they retire. And I think it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting sort of tipping point as we go from one to the other. And we'll have some thoughts on that um, in September. Yeah, sounds like a great topic and a great leeway into the Comtrans event. Yeah. But Jim, thank you for all your great information today and kind of recapping what you've been seeing in business with an emphasis on talent for August. So to our listeners, if you liked our chat and topic today, I'd urge you to comment something new that you learned today or any current trends or topics that you've really been seeing in the HR world. Don't forget to share this episode and consider joining MRA if you aren't a member already. Um, like always, we have all the resources you need in the show notes below, including Jim's resources on the Talent Report Plus. Otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in today, and we will see you next week. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.